I want to look at some prophecy today that is uh, very familiar, and I want to bring a, actually a second message uh, entitled, Making Sense Out of Suffering. I started a message a couple of weeks ago uh, on uh, making sense out of suffering, and I just gave you two points. This was back on August 21st, and I'm not going to get into much uh, practical stuff today, but again, just, uh, just to kind of jolt us into reality that life, uh, we're going to have a lot of suffering in this life. And uh, boy, if you think it's going to avoid you, <laughs> that's a, I, we're, just, we're just living here in Reelsville uh, today. Uh, one pastor used to call himself the mayor of Reelsville. And uh, he had this sign up behind him when he was preaching, Mayor of Reelsville. And that's kind of what we do is we talk about reality. Last time we saw two things. We looked at the origin of, of suffering, and that it was back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve, Eve being deceived, was still in the transgression. Ignorance is no excuse. Adam knew what he was doing, and because one man sinned, so death entered in the world. Sin and everyone, death by sin, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we saw that the origin of suffering was caused by Satan and his subtle deception of Eve and then Adam, and then by their selfishness where they chose what they thought was going to be a better life than God was offering them. Uh, the humanistic life where they could be their own gods. That's what Satan told them. You can be your own god. He's still telling people that. People still fall for it all the time. It's called humanism. And uh, so Satan, selfishness, and then eventually their sin led them, before the chapter was over, to God placing a curse on the serpent, a curse on the woman, and a curse on the man because of their sin. Uh, God said, because thou hast. So the origin of sin was Satan, selfishness, or the origin of suffering. All right, so we talked a little bit about those who like to blame God first for all their suffering, when the fact is he made paradise. He made the Garden of Eden. Uh, he made perfect peace. Uh, it was amazing what God made and put man in to enjoy. And all that garden took to, turned into a jungle uh, when man sinned. The earth was cursed too. And because of that, out of the ground comes thorns and thistles, and man would have to make his bread by the sweat of his brow until finally he would die. The woman died. And so that was the first thing we saw about suffering was the origin of uh, a suffering. And then the second thing was that we needed to understand that sin is active. And that's something that people don't think about. Genesis 3, we have suffering. Genesis 4, we have the first murder. Cain slew evil because he was jealous, he was envious, he had religious pride. He didn't understand why God would not accept the works of his hands when God accepted Abel's sacrifice or offering. And uh, because of his jealousy, he murdered. See, sin takes on action. And because it does, you know, I, I don't 
uh, I don't think Abel ever saw it coming. Uh, he never saw what co coming to him that another human being brought on him, his brother. And that's how it's going to be with you. That's how it's going to be with me. We're going to have a lot of suffering caused by other people, and we're not going to see it coming. And it might be specific people, people of your family. It might be politicians bringing stuff on us that's just going to cause us hardship and suffering because of their foolish administration and policies. Uh, some are bent on bringing socialism and Marxism and communism to our country. Uh, when freedom has done us so well for so long, and God has been very good to our nation, but that is going to cause us a lot of suffering. And so there's going to be suffering every that the gene pool has been corrupted, so that your genetics and mine were corrupted by generations and generations and generations of sin. So unlike evolution teaches, where man is getting better and better and better and better and better, the reality is man is getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And more sickly and more diseases and more health problems. And so that even very, 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 very good people sometimes end up with cancer or uh, some other physical infirmity that uh, they received through genetics, no fault of their own, just... A cursed world, a cursed world. Sin uh, is active. The old-time preachers used to say sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. That's what sin is. That They were saying sin takes on motions as we studied in Romans 7. Verse 5. Now, my third point is going to really thrill you, and that is people and things are going to get worse. People and things are going to get worse. Isn't that good news today? But I, I want to read these prophecies. We'll look at prophecy a little bit more than suffering today, but this is the third point that, that listen, if everybody is a sinner, if sin takes on motions and hurts other people, there's more people on earth than ever before then the logical conclusion will be what? There's going to be more hurt, uh, more suffering, more abuse, and uh, uh, more spreading of disease, all, all kinds of things, more accidents, more murders, those, those types of things. Now, as we read prophecy here today, we're going to see two things, that people are going to get worse in the last days. Not all people, but a lot of people. And that things are going to get worse uh, in the last days. I believe that we are in the last days. I believe personally we're in the last of the last days. Uh, but what does that mean? Christ may come today, may come next week, next year, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I don't know. Nobody knows. The Bible's clear about that. But man, I hope this don't go on for another 20 years. Look at what, look what's happened in the last 10 years. 10 years ago... Almost everybody in this room would say, I can't believe what has happened in this world today. Can't believe it. We, you know, I was listening to a, a report yesterday. I was just listening to the radio, and they got a, a drag queen festival up here in Elma this morning at 11 a.m. 
And they have invited the children and the youth of Elma to come. Who'd have ever thought that 10 years ago? We got 187 marijuana dispensaries down here on the Seneca Indian Reservation. 187 now. Who'd have ever thought that a few years ago? Some poor girl, our sister was telling me, some poor girl last week down on the res, 20 years old, tried, tried it for the first time in her life and died. And someone else died last week, overdose. 500,000 a year now in America are dying from overdoses. And that's with all of this advanced knowledge that people coming on the scene are, are, are many times able to save the person. That's the number that have died. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if, maybe you think people are going to figure it out and say, hey, let's change all this. Let's stop doing all this. I don't think it's going to happen that way. In fact, let's look at what the Scripture says about the last days here. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, this know also. Just stop at those first three words. God wants us to know. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We're starting to see perilous times. Even in our country, we're starting to see anarchy. Anarchy, lawlessness, like un, never before. Now, the main reason why we're having these perilous times in verse 1 is because of the first sentence of verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Those are the worst human beings on earth. Self-loving people. They're the worst ones. Self-loving people is just another phrase for pride. Pride produces many symptoms in a human being, including wrath and anger. You see wrath today and anger in people. It's because of their pride. A uh, overinflated opinion of themselves. Because of the self-loving people of verse 2, we have the perilous times of verse 1. These, these nuts that go in and shoot up people, they're not thinking about others. They're thinking about themselves. Covetous, verse 2, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. That's talking about what a farce religion will be in the last days in verse 5. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lust. You know, it's usually men who are laden with sins and led away with diverse lust. But in the last days, the Bible says many women will be also described that way. Here's our educational system, verse 7. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
We have so much knowledge at our fingertips today like never before. You can just go to Google or whatever your search engine is and find out just about anything you want to. Now, as Janies and Jambres withstood Moses, you don't have their names in the Old Testament, but they're revealed in the New Testament. Moses was God's man, and so men would be withstanding God's men. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Praise the Lord for that. There's going to be some people in the last days who are going to have some common sense and say, this is foolishness. Skip to verse number 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So there's our topic there. Suffering. We can expect, number three, more suffering as the last days go on. More suffering. If anything, for our faith. If we live godly in Christ Jesus, we're going to suffer persecution. Now, this is the one that really bugs me. Verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So we would like to say, well, eventually they're going to figure it out, right? Wrong. Evil seducers shall wax worse and worse. We we see that, like I, I gave a few instances already, where today we're seeing things that 10 years ago you would have said, no way, that's not going to happen in rural, red, Republican, conservative Elma. That's not happening there. But it's happening everywhere. It doesn't matter. Evil seducers are waxing worse and worse deceiving, that is recruiting people, fooling them, as well as being deceived themselves. Well, if you don't see this, you've got to open up your eyes. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. I'm talking about, first of all, people. Some people are going to get worse and worse and worse and cause more and more and more suffering in the last days. Here's some more examples of people causing suffering in the last days. Matthew 24, verse 10. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Imagine that. Does that sound like today? And then shall many be offended. This one lady, uh, some country western singer's wife, <laughs> She grew up a tomboy. And you know what that is, right? She probably had brothers. They're always fooling around, running around, playing football, whatever. She grew up a tomboy, but she made the statement this week. She said, I'm glad when I was growing up a tomboy that nobody tried messing with my hormones with drugs and tried to change me into a man. And boy, is she taking heat for that. Wow, is she taking heat for that. She should be praised. People should give her a standing ovation. They should say, lady, say it again. And say it again, and say it again, and say it again. But no, she's offended the transgender crowd. And many shall be offended. Verse 10. 
and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Have you ever seen such a division? I'm talking like American point of view here these days. Ever seen such hatred, such division? I never have. I've been around 65 years, but I've never seen the division and the hatred that I see today. Well, the Bible helps me because Jesus said this is what would happen. As hard as it is to watch, it helps my faith. In a strange way, I say, well, that's what Jesus said was going to happen. I shared this with the local barber one day. He says, that's really in the Bible? I said, yeah, Matthew 24.10. He's cutting my hair saying, he can't believe that. Everybody gets offended over everything these days. I said, well, Jesus said that 2,000 years ago, that that's what was going to happen. And anything Jesus says comes to pass. His word is truth. Verse 11, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. There's going to be so much confusion in religion in the last days, most people are just going to quit searching. I quit. There's so many Bibles, there's so many religions and everything. Why even bother? I quit. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. There's going to be confusion uh, in religion. And... uh, Verse 12, look at this. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Because iniquity or sin or transgression, because there's going to be so much sin, it affects the heart of humans. The deceitfulness of sin, the Bible says, hardens our hearts. Wine and new wine, it says fornication, wine and new wine, take away the heart. What does that mean? That means all kinds of sexual sin outside of marriage combined with alcohol use makes a human being heartless. And heartless people hurt people. And because iniquity shall abound. Now, iniquity abounds because we have television now and radio now and Internet sites. And there's just more that can affect our eyes and our 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 ears and our minds than ever before because iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. People's love is just going to wax cold. I told you about the funeral director I was talking to and all the cremated remains that he has in his funeral home. He says where loved ones and families didn't even bother to come and pick it up. They call and they call and they call. We have the remains of your loved ones here, and nobody comes to pick it up. And that's after they're reduced to ashes. The Bible says we should be buried, by the way. And then they finally take all these vases and urns and just stick them in one common grave and bury them. Now, does that sound heartless or what? Do you ever go to funerals these days? Boy, they they used to mourn for two days. And then have a funeral service. Remember that? I remember that. Every funeral is the same way. You'd have visitation from 2 to 4 and 7 to 9 at night. The next day, 2 to 4, 7 to 9. And the next day, they'd meet at the funeral home at the church or something. Big, long train of cars and hearse and policemen and lights going and everything. Boy, they just, they just, just honored their loved ones. People are just pouring out tears at the gravesite. People throwing themselves on caskets. 
sobbing, their bodies throbbing uncontrollably because they you don't see that anymore. Now it's like, well, one hour of showing, then we're going to have a quick prayer or something. Get, get, let's go on with life. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I'm telling you, people are going to get worse, and it's going to cause more suffering here in the near future. Things are going to get worse, number two, and it's going to cause more suffering in the future. Verse 4, look at Matthew 24 and verse 4. Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. That's the same thing we read down in verse 11. So twice he wants to emphasize the confusion that there will be in religion in the last days and deception. But then it says this in verse 6, and this hurts a lot of people. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Do you think it's caused suffering in the Ukraine, uh, the Russian invasion? Do you think that's caused any suffering over there that people maybe a year or two, three years ago didn't ever thought they were going to have to face? Things like wars, rumors of wars are going to cause suffering. China's got its eyes on Taiwan right now. I don't know what's going to happen there. That doesn't look good. It's a rumor of war. It's amazing what Jesus said. Uh, and, and how it's all coming to pass. Wars. Just think of the Ukrainian. And, and we, we're, we're familiar with that a little bit and all the men who have been forbidden to leave the Ukraine, the fathers, the sons, all the men, they have to stay there and become soldiers. The women, their wives, their mothers, their sisters have all bolted and run for countries and many of them have not seen each other since the war began. That's suffering. That's suffering. Things cause sufferings. Other things cause suffering. There shall be famines. That's going to cause sufferings. You know, a, a, a man who really does his homework and studies things out, I don't know why, but he told me this week, he says, do you know that hamburger is going to be about $50 a pound next year? I said, what? And this is a guy who never says anything off the wall. He always does his research. In fact, he's always right. He says, you realize hamburger's going to be about $50 a pound next year. Well, immediately I went in my mind to Revelation 6.6, 6, where it says a, a, a measure of wheat for a penny. That when we get into the tribulation period, not us, we'll, we'll escape that, but immediately when the tribulation period begins after the rapture, They'll be selling a measure of wheat for a penny. Now, in Bible days, that meant a measure of wheat is about the size of one of those wood quart baskets you buy strawberries in in the spring. Pretend you got that filled with wheat. And a penny is a day's wages. That means you've got to work a whole day to get that much wheat. And that much wheat is what they say, nutritionally, is what is needed for one human being to survive on. For a day. That kind of inflation is coming according to the scriptures. There's going to be famines. We don't have famines here in America, but we sure are having droughts, pestilences. We've seen a little bit of that with COVID. 
19, a pestilence is a fast-spreading disease that can sometimes be fatal. That's the definition. We've seen how that messed up the world. Earthquakes in diverse places, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And so you notice, not just people, but things like wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes can also cause sorrows or suffering. And there's going to be more of those things as we uh, go along. And uh, some people are just chomping at the bit to have socialism in America. That's never worked anywhere. It's failed every time it's been tried. I was reading this Chinese lady who, who used to live under Mao Zedong in China, and she says, I came to America 36 years ago to escape this. Don't you realize what you're doing to your nation? And she, she talked about and she gave her testimony how, how when she lived under socialism in communist China, how they, they said, uh, this is how much bread you need a week. This is how much cooking oil we're going to give you a week. This is how much milk you're going to have a week. This, these are the hours you're going to have a little bit of electricity. And uh, these are the hours you're going to have some heat. And she said, that's socialism. That's socialism. Now they sell it by all the candy. You know, we're, we're going to alleviate your uh, a college debt. Well, who wouldn't, who wouldn't vote for them if you were a college student? But that's what they pull you in with. It's never worked. Socialism is the bloodiest philosophy there has ever been in the entire history of the human race. Ever. Karl Marx says the goal of socialism is communism. And when you look at communism, we just have to go back as I've said before, one century to the 1900s, and that philosophy, socialism, slaughtered more of their own people, dissidents who didn't agree with them, people who weren't healthy enough for them to think were worth living. Anyone that would disagree, man, Mao Zedong designed it so that 40 million of his own people in China would starve to death just so they can get rid of them. That's about the worst way to die. That's how socialists think. And so we think we're just going to watch endless football games, NASCAR races, sports, 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 stick our head in the sand, and somehow this is going to go away. No, I would suggest each one of us prepare by the grace of God for more suffering ahead. Now, you know what? I'm not a negative person. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm a positive person. I'm a person who likes to do things. I don't talk much. I just like to do things, accomplish things, start things, because I'm positive. I believe in God. And so I start things. I don't wait around for things to happen. I make things happen. That's what I do. I'm positive. But at the same time, I believe the Bible, and I believe the prophecies of the Bible, that this is what they teach. That some people are going to get worse, and some things are going to get worse in the last days, and is going to cause us even more suffering, even more suffering. I uh, 
was reading a little bit lately on Anne Frank. Some of you know Anne Frank? Her diaries? All right. She was uh, taken into captivity by the Nazis in Germany. She was a Jewish family that was living in Germany, and they hid in an attic for two years. But when she was 13, they caught them. The Nazis caught their family, put them all in prison. Every one of them, including Anne, died in concentration camp, except her father lived and survived Auschwitz. She wrote diaries for some reason. She died when she was 16. The ki- the, they killed her. The Nazis killed her. But she wrote diaries. She wrote diaries. And a certain expert, I don't know what his name is, but a man who's probably studied her diaries more than anybody else was asked this question. They they, they asked him, would you tell us the most profound statements Anne Frank ever made before she died? And these were the three that he chose. Number one, I don't focus on all the misery, but on all the beauty that still remains. Number two, think of all the beauty still left around you and be happy. That's a girl in a concentration camp. Number three, I found that there is always some beauty left in nature, sunshine, freedom, in yourself. These can help you. I like Anne Frank. I like that attitude. We're going to need that attitude. Because we're in America. We're not in Nazi Germany. Now, it looks like Germany in the 1930s right now, America. It looks exactly, exactly. Duplication. Forget about the senior citizens. Let us indoctrinate the children. Exact same tactic is going on right now in America than was in 1930s Germany. Exact same thing, no difference. The indoctrination. They're patient, aren't they? And boy, they're at it. Boy, they do not give up. Wow. The small majority will always, or the the, the, uh, small organized minority will always conquer the unorganized majority. That's what the socialists believe. That's what they believe. And uh, they're doing well at it. They've got an agenda and they've written all down and they're doing it exactly the way they said I think it's my duty as a pastor to warn you of what's coming, not to ruin your day, but so that you and I will become men and women of prayer. That we'll pray for our nation, we'll pray one for another, and uh, pray for the lost. Because you know, even Daniel, and I'm almost done here, but Daniel talked a lot about the last days. Amazing book, just fascinating. 
And he said in Daniel 11 and verse number 32, he said this, but the people, this is in the last days, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That's what he said about the last days. He said, the people in the last days that know their God and be strong shall do exploits. Now, what's the definition of an exploit, a a noun, the noun exploit? It means daring acts, bold deeds. Daring acts, bold deeds. This is a great time for some Daniels to rise up, for some Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's to rise up and to say, hey, this is what I believe, and I'm not backing down. Take a stand. Preach the truth. In uh, 2 Corinthians, if you'll turn there, chapter 12, we'll close with this verse. Some people are going to get worse and worse. Some things are going to get worse and worse. I'm not negative, I'm just preaching the word. But if you think this is something, wait till the rapture, and then those will go into the tribulation, a seven-year period that Jesus described as being worse than anything the world has ever seen. So praise the Lord, if you're saved today, you'll be able to escape that. Uh, But we're building up towards that. That's what's happening. We're building towards that tribulation period, seven years on earth, what Jesus called the great tribulation, be the last three and a half years. And he said, that's going to be, he said, except those days be shortened, there'd be no flesh saved. I mean, God's just going to, by his mercy, step in and shorten those days. But you know what's neat? Is after that will be a thousand years of the reign of Christ, described in two main ways. A kingdom of righteousness and a kingdom of peace. Isn't that a wonderful thing to look forward to? Suffering will be over. But for now, uh, we got to be real. We got to just say, man, I think it's time for some of us to get closer to God, to know your God, do some exploits, do some daring deeds, some bold acts, try starting something. Man, that's what I want to do the rest of my life, just see what, what we can start. And uh, I don't care if it's New York State or not. Who, I don't care who's in Albany or, or God's still on his throne. I just like to see God do some things. And I know a lot of you do too. But this is what we're going to need. And, and, and I'm going to get into the specifics about suffering now on the individual. This has been general these last two messages Basically, I always said there's a lot of suffering in this world and it's going to get worse. (laughs) All right, so what are you going to do with it? Andrew Murray once wrote a book called With Christ in the School of Prayer. I'm going to bring a couple messages here in the near future with Christ in the School of Suffering. Because, boy, there's some wonderful things that we can learn from suffering. And the Apostle Paul learns, just just so I can leave you with hope before you walk out of the door this morning, there's something Paul learned through his sufferings in 2 Corinthians 9, 12 and verse 9, a very, very famous verse. 
And he said unto me, this Jesus said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then notice the lesson Paul learned in the school of suffering. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then in verse 10, he, he almost begins to speak like a man that experts today would say, you, you must have lost your mind. He actually says this in verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You'd think the man lost his mind, but he learned something in the school of suffering. Most gladly, therefore, will I rejoice. I'll take pleasure. Why? Because that's when the power of Christ is on me. When I'm suffering and I have to rely upon his grace. What opportunities are coming for us now? Maybe you, I know some of you are suffering now. You need to avail yourself of the grace of God. How? Well, start by prayer. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So if you're going through something today, emotionally, mentally, maritally, with your children, your finances, your health, at work, you're being persecuted or whatever, what you need is grace. And what is grace? Grace is God's unfailing strength. He can give you the grace to go through your suffering. And boy, that's a truth we need to know today. Because there's some times coming. There's some times coming. I want to encourage you to come to the throne of grace. Where's that? That's prayer. It's God's throne room. And just say, God, I need your grace. I need your grace. There's three types of grace in closing. There's saving grace. There's living grace. That's what we need now. And then there's dying grace. I'm talking about living grace. But in closing, if you're here today and you're not saved, you need saving grace. You need God to save you from your sins because you can't save yourself. Neither can I. I needed a Savior. When I was confronted with the claims of Christ, I believed on Him and received Him as my Savior. Have you? Have you ever experienced the saving grace? He gives us grace for grace. But you've got to start with saving grace to have access to living grace but living grace is available for us no matter what we're suffering. God has never failed a suffering saint. We have, will see, failed of the grace of God. The Bible says that you failed of the grace of God. The grace of God was there, you failed to, to use it. But it has never failed us. Some of you are going to get some health reports that you've never had before in your life. Gene. Dear Jean, you look at her and think she's the sweetest lady in Perrysburg. She is a doll. I love her. I just fell in love with her immediately. She's just a sweet old lady. And then you, you think, 
You know, she's been coming for a couple of years up there, and, and then she's getting dizzy, and pastor, there's something wrong with me, pray for me, and she goes, MRI, whatever they do. She's got a tumor the size of an egg in her brain. And you think, boy, she needs grace now for something she's never faced before. Never. And I said to her family yesterday in the, the, the room, I said, you need the grace of God, because you're not going to get through this by yourself. You need to know God and you need to avail yourself of His grace because you're going through a season that you've never gone through before and you never expected to. And that's going to happen to all of us. It's going to happen to all of us in some way. We need the grace of God. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we pray that You'd help us, Lord. And uh, the sermon was very simple. Uh, today that... Uh, just, just, just the fact that there's more people on earth than ever before, uh, we know that there's going to be more sin. Sin takes action. and It's never dormant, and it always hurts. And, uh, Lord, uh, we see that things are going to get worse. People are going to get worse. And we're not negative. We're just believing what you said. But the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Lord, help us to decide this morning, I want to be that person. I'm going to get to know God and do some great things, daring things in these last days. But Lord, those that are suffering today or will be, Lord, we know that Thy grace is sufficient for us. God, help us to know how to avail of this grace to our lives personally in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to turn to page 821, 821. In a moment, we're going to start singing. Now, why don't we start singing today? If you're not saved by the grace of God, then you're not saved. There's only one way. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And if you'd like to come to the Lord Jesus Christ today and receive Him as your Savior, as we sing, if you'll step out and come to the front here or to the back there, we'll have somebody, if you're a lady, a lady, if you're a man, a man, show you from the Bible how you can have salvation through the grace of God. But you've got to come. Maybe you're a believer and you can be very sensitive about this. But while we start singing, maybe you can go to somebody and ask them, if they know for sure that they're going to go to heaven someday and maybe you can help lead them to Christ even during this invitation time, okay? But also, you and I that are believers, you know, I didn't try to soft soap it today. I just told you the way it is. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to get worse and a lot of things are going to get worse in this world. And we're going to need God. We're going to need His grace. And maybe you're going through something right now. You say, man, I never expected to go through this. I never expected to live in a state like this. I never expected to live in a country like this. I need your help, Lord. You maybe want to come to the altar today and say, God, help me. God, help me. And His grace can sustain us. And people can see that grace in us. And it might attract them to Christ. Let's stand together. If you can stand with us, page 821, Grace greater than our sin. Let's, let's make God's house a house of prayer now. Won't you come and pray?